Welcome to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Casperson. Hey friends, I interrupt the regularly scheduled program. I literally was going to post another podcast today, but there is such an incredibly awesome paper that came out that I just have to like scream from the rooftops. I found out about this. Props to Dr. Rachel Rubin, who is my good friend who's sex medicine over on the East Coast. If you have anybody in Washington, D.C. who needs an excellent menopause or sex medicine physician, Dr. Rachel Rubin is a absolute phenom and a very good friend in this space of mine. So she posted on her Instagram, I'm not on Twitter. I th- she's on Twitter. There's a lot of things happening on Twitter. <laughs> I remember I had like this real estate agent once and she's like, do you tweet? And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? But I think like me at 180 characters is not good. I think my like eight wing seven Enneagram would totally come out and I'd sound like super cutting and sharp. And people don't actually like it when I'm like sharp and quick and to the point all the time. So I, I don't know, me coming across on Twitter would probably not be the best me. I'm better in long form. <laughs> I'm better at podcasting. Anyways, you can follow her on Twitter, uh, Rachel Rubin, or on Instagram, you can also follow Rachel Rubin. So she posted this and I'm going to talk about it. But before I go into that, I want to do a big shout out to all the Canadian doctors and all the Canadian women and the men that love them that support this podcast. I like it consistently in the top 25 in Canada under sexuality in Apple. And I have to just give mad props to my Canadian neighbors. You guys do know I'm literally like 20 miles from the Canadian border. And we're going to start being allowed to visit each other again in August, hopefully, God willing. So that's super exciting. So shout out to three people. Well, Cat and Nat, that's one group. That's like two. So shout out to four people. Number one would be Cat and Nat. They have a huge audience in Canada and their exposure is amazing. Thank you so much. Number two, shout out to Dr. Stephanie Hart at Foothill Sexual Function Clinic. I'm going to kill the name. What is this? What is this town? Okotox. Okotox, Alberta. I love you, Dr. Hart. She is an expert, you guys. She knows so much. Like we're on a we're on like a sex med Facebook group that has like 9,000 female physicians in it. And she every single response that she offers when she gives advice is dynamite. I've had her on the podcast before. It come on uh, scroll back a while. She is it's a must-listen podcast. She's exceptional. So to her and to her women and patients that listen to my podcast. I love you. And then my third one is Dr. Sarah Smith and her women in Edson, Alberta. Shout out to you guys. You are amazing. I do this because of people like you who love learning. And that is my Canada love, you guys. I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, which we thought like there were two groups of men who we thought were super hot. The first were Canadians and the second were the Iowa boys. The Iowa boys were always a catch if you could catch an Iowa boy. So anyways, we thought we were close to Canada in Duluth, Minnesota, it's really like two and a half hours away. And here I am living in the Pacific Northwest of Washington. And I'm very close to Canada. And I haven't been there in a while. Because, you know, border closure, but God bless you. I love you all. Someday, this is my dream, you guys. So Kat and Nat, they do tours, they're touring, I'm putting this, I'm manifesting. They're doing a tour where two tour dates are in British Columbia in December. And I'm like, I want to be on stage with you guys. So I already put it out there. I already told their people if they're listening. I want to be on stage with you. Teach me your thing. I'll do the stage and uh, it'll be awesome. We'll talk about sex on a stage. How fun is that? So Canada, I'm coming to you. I'm manifesting it. We're going to make it happen. So without further ado, I need to talk to you guys about this paper that just got published in the Journal of Female Pelvic Medicine and Reconstructive Surgery in, came out in March. It's new to me, but I'm busy. 
came out in March 2021. Here's the title of it. Vaginal estrogen is first-line therapy for recurrent urinary tract infections in postmenopausal women and risk factors for needing additional therapy. This is groundbreaking. This is one of the first studies looking at if we give women vaginal estrogen, will they have less urinary tract infections? Now, vaginal estrogen has been recommended. It's in the top guidelines for recurrent urinary tract infections from the American Urologic Association. But it has not trickled down to primary care. Primary care, urgent care, these are the places that women go. It's pretty rare, actually, to get referred to a urologist. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think it's pretty rare for a urologist to give the woman vaginal estrogen. I I don't know. I'm going to be biased. I think women urologists might tend towards that a little bit much uh, more than the male ones. I'm, I'm calling you out. So tell me if you're a male urologist and you give every single recurrent UTI patient you see who's a female who has a vagina and a vulva. Before I go into this more, I do want to speak to my transgender men who still have vulvas and vaginas. High doses of testosterone and decreasing that estrogen will kind of give you a postmenopausal vulva and vagina, and you're prone to the same symptoms that cisgender women get, which is dryness, pain, recurrent urinary tract infections. So it's quite common for, and somebody had just asked me this question, so it's good that we're talking about it, quite common for trans men to actually be on vulvar and vaginal estrogen to keep that tissue healthy. It's incredibly estrogen responsive, and you actually will get it feeling bad. So it's not like you can just like ignore it and not deal with it. It's like it actually feels bad. It can be painful. A lot dysuria means pain with urination. So you can get that whether you're on high dose uh, hormones or if you're just postmenopausal. So this paper is awesome. Basically, I need to print this out and put this on my practices Facebook page. So I'm going to read you the abstract because it's so worth it for all you like super nerds who are happy listening to me read medical abstracts too. So the objectives were retrospective cohort study aims to determine the proportion of postmenopausal women with recurrent UTIs who improve with vaginal estrogen cream alone and to identify risk factors for those who go on to require additional therapies. So that's what it was looking for. What they did is they looked at postmenopausal women presenting with recurrent bacterial urinary tract infections seen at a single institution over a 29-month period. And so they looked at who was started on vaginal estrogen cream, and then they looked at who needed further treatment or who kept having infections. So what they noted, they had 167 patients who met the inclusion criteria, and of these, 67.7% noted improvement or resolution in their symptoms with vaginal estrogen cream alone. Women with a concomitant diagnosis of urinary incontinence defined a subjective report of bothersome stress or urgency urinary incontinence were 2.3 times more likely to need additional therapy compared with women not reporting urinary incontinence. So bladder leakage, unwanted urine uh, that comes out of your bladder, is a uh, kind of contributing factor to possibly not having the vaginal estrogen be as effective. So definitely worth getting your bladder incontinence treated as well. So their conclusion, 68% of postmenopausal women with recurrent UTIs treated with vaginal estrogen alone did not go on to receive additional therapy. A risk factor for needing additional therapy in our study population is the presence of urinary incontinence. God bless. May this be a call out to all prime, any provider, nurse practitioner, primary care provider, urologist, gynecologist. If you see a woman with recurrent UTIs and she is I would say perimenopausal as well as postmenopausal because vaginal estrogen starts decreasing in but the 10 years surrounding menopause, 
you really start seeing the effects of low estrogen, I'd say about 10 years after your last menstrual period. So I really start seeing this kick in right around age 60, late 50s. But certainly women can start having recurrent UTIs, dysuria, pain with sex in their early 40s. I saw a woman today, you guys, who fit that description. So, so important, change their life. And this is what I tell people. It's like sunscreen, it's like seat belts. You're just gonna use it for life. Using it once doesn't mean it's gonna work for you in the future, right? Like, oh, I used sunscreen last summer. Do I really have to use it this summer? Like your estrogen, the the things that help decrease urinary tract infection aren't coming back, you guys. It's not coming back. So what happens is we lose our estrogen. So our vagina becomes less acidic. When it becomes less acidic, we lose our lactobacillus, which is part of why it becomes less acidic because lactobacillus make lactic acid, basically acts as a barrier between the rectum, the rectal flora, and the bladder urethra. So you're basically losing, I like to think of it as a moat between the land and the castle. You pick which one's the land and the castle. <laughs> so you're losing your moat. So it's more likely that the bugs are going to cross over. Reacidify that, get your normal bacteri bacterial flora. Remember, our microbiome is there to help us right? And this is just promoting your microbiome. All these women are kind of sucking down these probiotics. If they work for you, God bless, but rebuild your natural probiotics by feeding them vaginal estrogen. It's not systemic. You do not need progesterone to protect your uterus. That's only with systemic estrogen, not vaginal estrogen. It comes in creams, rings, uh, just suppositories, little tabs, um, I like the creams because I like coating the the perineum, you know, the six kind of the six o'clock, I guess, the of the vulva, the labia, and the clitoris. And I just I see women with really atrophic vulvas because they've been on a vaginal tab. So I I try to convert my t if a woman comes to me and she's like I tried this I'm on this tab and you know I'm still getting stuff I'll look at her vulva. I'll start getting that treated with some cream. So I'm biased towards the cream. I have an old video that I, I need to update or put an addendum on it or something. My old vaginal estrogen video tells women to throw away the applicator. Don't shoot me, Rachel Rubin. I did this for a reason. The reason I did that is because when I made that video, vaginal estrogen cream was not yet generic and it was exorbitant. It was like $180 and sometimes higher. Since that video was made, it's become generic. Estradiol what is it? 0.01%. It only really comes in one one um, type. So it's generic estradiol. Premarin would still be the brand name estrogen cream. So estradiol is the generic. And now it's dirt cheap. A woman's like, mine was $60. I'm like, you're not going to get it much cheaper than $60. And even using the applicator, it's going to last you about a month, a month and a half. If it prevents one urinary tract infection, you guys, it's paid for itself. Save you an urgent care visit at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. God bless. It's paid for itself. So this is an amazing study that basically proves that the overwhelming majority of women needed nothing else than to be put on vaginal estrogen. And here's the, where else where I want to go with it. You know how much of my day I spend telling women that vaginal estrogen does not cause cancer? Like I got a little feisty today and actually cut a woman off be, and in a kind sort of way, but because here's what happens. Woman comes in, I start talking about vaginal estrogen, and inevitably she goes into a very long story about her aunt, who tragically, seriously, like, you know, it's a trauma to the family that their family members have can cancer, and I don't want to downplay that, but this is what happens. 
They don't know it doesn't cause cancer. They want to tell me this big heart-wrenching story about how they're afraid. But to me, I'm like, let's not hear that big story so we can focus on you and what you need and I can give you the education because we're just spending our precious minutes together talking about your aunt. Now, this is why I shouldn't be on Twitter, you guys, because it would come across even worse than it's sounding like right now. But the point is it does not cause breast cancer. So I don't need to hear about all the people with breast cancer because vaginal estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer. And so what I did in preparing for this podcast is I actually Googled, does vaginal estrogen cause cancer? I didn't even say breast cancer. I just said cancer. The very first thing that came up, breastcancer.org is what came up. An analysis of the data collected as part of the Women's Health Health Initiative trial has found that postmenopausal women who use vaginal estrogen have the same risk of invasive breast cancer, stroke, blood clots, endometrial cancer, and colorectal cancer as women who don't use vaginal estrogen. So could you be on vaginal estrogen and then get a cancer? Yes, it's possible. And it's tragic every time it happens, but it doesn't mean the vaginal estrogen caused it. And the other funny thing, funny, not funny, again, why I shouldn't tweet, But inevitably, these women have big risk factors for breast cancer, right? Like they're overweight. We know overweight has increased risk of breast cancer. They drink alcohol. We know that one drink of alcohol a day increases your risk of breast cancer. So that's my only point is like learn what your risks are. And if truly your your goal is to decrease your risk of cancer as much as you can, we've got to work on on the amount of fat that's on the body, converting it to muscle, ideally. Muscle is amazing for the body. Um, Exercise, eating right. I would say eliminating alcohol from your diet because there is no safe, as much as all this crap about moderate, moderate, moderate. Women can't handle their alcohol. It affects our body so much and our sleep, which is already affected in menopause. So I'd say screw moderate alcohol. Really, there's no safe amount of alcohol, the risk of colorectal cancer in alcohol, right? So it's like, don't come to me and tell me that you want to be as as low risk for cancer as you can when you're not minding what the body needs and you're drinking these toxins. So, and you could do a simple Google search, does vaginal estrogen cause cancer? And you will find from breastcancer.org that it doesn't. So just simple education goes a very long way. I told a woman today that she's not allowed to be scared and uneducated at the exact same time. (laughs) So I'm like, get educated, then be scared. That's the best thing to do. Like until I got educated about like the incredibly crappy job we do at educating women and treating their menopause, like until I truly got educated about that, I wasn't as upset about it as I am now. And I'm like, this is ridiculous that women don't know this. They don't know what happens to their body when estrogen decreases. They don't know that estrogen is incredibly safe and can prevent all of these quote unquote side effects from menopause. So you guys, that is my beautiful podcast for you today. If you have recurrent UTIs, if you have anything else, or you just, this is the next step. I actually, I actually dropped this on Rachel Rubin's uh, Instagram. I was like, the next study I want to see is vaginal estrogen as a preventative medicine, right? Like um, sunscreen, preventive medicine. Oh, wearing seatbelts. That's preventative health. Uh, keeping guns out of the house. That's preventative health. We have all this data of like, do these things to like have healthier, longer lives. I want to see vaginal estrogen as preventative medicine. And I want to see these women put on, somebody's going to have to be on placebo and somebody's going to have to be on vaginal estrogen. I want to see decreased risk of urinary tract infections, decreased risk of incontinence, decreased risk of prolapse, decreased risk of dyspareunia and cessation of sexual activity. I think that research totally needs to be done. 
Maybe somebody's doing it. God bless you if you are. I'm busy seeing ladies, so I'm not doing the research. I'm just like worshiping the researchers. Thank you for asking the questions. Thanks for doing this for us. God bless. And remember, you are not broken. Until next time, you guys, I love you so much.